I don't think we have anyone in the hospital right now. We've had a few babies that have been born, and we've had a couple people in and out of the hospital earlier in the week. We're talking again about the idea of true spirituality, and I'd like us to turn to Romans chapter 1, beginning at verse 16. I want to talk today about... uh, a living in a God-filled world. Let's pray. Now, we ask, Father, that you would bless us as we look at your word. We thank you for the food that you've given us. We thank you for the lives that we have. And we pray that we would live to honor you and that we would be a people that are known for our thankfulness and joy. Now, bless our time, and we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Paul writes about the gospel, beginning in verse 16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world. In the things that have been made, so that they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools, and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Now, As we're living as Christians in the world each and every day, we need to see that our world is a God-filled world. From the very first moments that we're awakened in the morning to the time when we close our eyes at night and if we dream vividly, that we see that this is our Father's world. Now what we see in this passage of Scripture is that the unbelief that is in the world really denies the whole idea that this world in which we live is a God-filled world. But true spirituality, the Christian person, is the person that recognizes this world as at all times being God-filled, and they live by faith in this world, They live with thankfulness, they live in a way to honor God, and they live a life because they recognize that this world is a God-filled world. They live a life of joy. Now, as we look at this, we see that in the sense of this being a God-filled world, Paul is talking about this as he talks about the gospel. So he says in verse 19, What can be known about God is plain. It's plain to them, and it's plain to us. 
God has shown it to them. God has shown it to us. So God makes this God-filled world that he has made, he makes it evident because his presence is, is evident to man. It's evident to man within man, and it's evident to man outside of man. Within man, we have conscience, and conscience speaks to us. We look out at our eyes, and we see this world and all the beauty that's in it, and God has made it in such a way that it draws attention to himself. God's presence is then internally, constantly evident to the conscience. When we look at the external world, we see God's power, we see God's wisdom, we see God's goodness. And you see that it's clearly seen. That's what we're told here. It's clearly seen. Not merely is it clearly seen, uh, it's known. People, everyone that you meet, know what they're seeing. Now, yesterday I was speaking with a friend, and I spoke rashly. And in speaking rashly, I, I really wronged another friend to this person to whom I was speaking. Well, it wasn't very long after that that God made that very clear to me in my conscience that I had spoken wrongly of a friend to a friend. Asked the Lord for forgiveness. Uh, I asked the Holy Spirit for power, power to stop thinking negatively. I asked for power for the renewing of my thinking so that I would think appreciatingly of this person and for power for the restraint of my mouth, my lips, my tongue in conversation and that I would have power not to speak negatively but that what I would speak would be words of edification. A God-filled world is like that. We need to understand that that's what's going on. God is making himself known to each and every one of us throughout the day, and he's doing it internally. He's doing it in our conscience, and we should be very thankful for that. Uh, it gives us correction. It gives us direction. Well, yesterday and today, and uh, I went outside, and, and I've seen a marvelous creation. My eyes see this marvelous creation. And I, I look at it, and I think, well, my goodness, I walked outside with a short sleeve shirt on and shorts, and I thought, brr, a little bit chilly out there with the dampness. It's cool. We went for a walk, Pat and I, on Ridge Avenue. We saw the day break. We saw the birds. We heard the birds. One point in time, we were walking over off of Vista Circle, and there was a, what was obviously a small dog barking, and Pat made the surmise, well, that's probably Paul Cable's dog, Tucker. She's, that's probably which, which one it was. Uh, you know, we're out here and we're seeing the leaves. What are they doing? They're just showing signs that they're turning. We, we feel the coolness. We feel that there's less humility in the air. 
We see the trees. We see the flowering plants. Next week, I hope to take a group on uh, Thursday up to North Georgia to Gibbs Gardens. If you're interested, there's some flyers over here about Gibbs Gardens. We're going to go up there, and it's going to be a beautiful time. The man has planted some 3,000 Japanese maples in one part of this garden, and I'm sure with the temperatures going to be down in the 40s here, it'll be in the low 40s there. The leaves on those Japanese maples should just really be starting to turn God's creation. That man, Mr. Gibbs, obviously recognizes the beauty and the majesty of creation and the created things that he has a level of expertise over, and he's created a magnificent garden up there for people to come up and enjoy all throughout the year. Um, again, there's a flyer over here on it, and you can go, and they, they've got a, a whole uh, calendar of what type of planting or flower or tree is going to be in bloom and in glory at any given month beginning in March and ending in the end of November. God's glory in the beauty of the world is seen to us. God has given us the ability to see that this is a world that he has filled with himself and with his glory. In the sense of my life, God's given me a lot of people. I have acquaintances. I have fellow workers. I have a church family. I have long-term friends. I have family, children, and a wife. And all of these things are God's gifts, in this case particularly to me. God has given these same things to you. Each and every one of these people has been created by God. They've been created in his image. They are image bearers. This is the idea that the world in which we live in is a God-filled world. We need to see that. We need to really recognize that. God gives us in verse 21 a compelling duty. And in that compelling duty, it tells us that we are to honor him. We are to honor him as we look at this world. We are to honor him as we remember what's going on in our mind and our conscience works. It works in a way that God would have us honor him in our mind, in our thinking, but in our seeing. And not only honor him... But as we recognize that this is God and God's gift to us and is truly a gift to you, then we need to give thanks. That's a duty. Now, you know, preachers don't do this enough. There's a duty here. There is a duty. It's a duty for you. It's a duty for me. It's something that you're to do. It's something that I'm to do. And when we fail to do this, there are enormous consequences 
in the shrinking of our own lives, but there is also enormous consequences in the whole sense that the failure to honor God because of what he is doing within us and what he has given us to enjoy is a horrible witness in the rest of the world. There's a duty to thank God that he doesn't let your conscience off easy. There is a duty to look out at this world and to see it for what it is. It belongs to God and it reflects his glory and we have to be people who give thanks. Now why it is a particular duty to us is because God has opened your heart and mind by the power of the Holy Spirit to come to faith in Jesus and to become spiritual people. You have been born again by the living and abiding word of God. You have been given a new spirit in order that you can look at things rightly and interpret them appropriately and then live in a way that reflects what you know. And in coming to know Christ, we know that what we're seeing is but a foretaste. Because what we're told is that this world that we're seeing, although there are things about it that are magnificent, some of you men that get up and go hunting and get into the woods when the mist is heavy or a light fog and you're out in the fields and you're waiting for birds to fly or you're out on a lake or you're enjoying a farm place and you see this and you have the ability to understand this is my father's world. To have that ability is not yours natively, it's yours spiritually, because you've been born again. And so for us, this isn't just an add-on, it is a duty. So I want to encourage you, give thanks, honor God, and realize this world's going to give way to something that's far more than we could ever think or hope or ask. And when that world comes, the, well, the things that are impediments to our enjoying this world won't be impediments in that world. A number of years ago, I was an interim pastor in Gulfport, Mississippi. I was back here uh, at my home in Greene County and I needed to go down to Gulfport on Saturday. But the problem was there was a hurricane, a mild hurricane, that was coming in off the Gulf and it was going to come in at Mobile. Well, that was my normal route. Normal route would be to go over to Atlanta, down to Montgomery, down to Mobile, and across the Gulfport. Couldn't do it. So I went all the way over to Meridian 
and took another road down. And actually, I, I left, and the storm was mild here, and it got a little rough in Alabama. And then as the further south and west I got, well, the storm kind of relaxed. But there had been a hurricane out in the Gulf. Now, where I was staying in Gulfport was right on the Mississippi Gulf Sound. And the next morning I got up, it was Sunday morning, and I drove out to the traffic light there, Hughes Avenue, and the, the, the beach highway. And there was something that happened then that happens after a hurricane. And it was a totally amazing event. Whenever a hurricane goes through, it sucks. It sucks like an enormous divine vacuum cleaner. And what it sucks is all the impurities and all the ozones and all of those things that are always out there in our atmosphere. And it just sucks them out. When I hit the highway, there was a ship that was coming into port, to Gulfport. I'm going to tell you that ship was probably four or five miles away. It looked like it, looked like it had been absolutely painted the day before and like it was 100 feet away. Because all those impurities were out of the air, the black of that hull was black. The white of the superstructure was white. The little markings on the ship stood out and danced. And the sky was just the most transparent blue. The reason was everything that stood between me and the ship was for all practical purposes gone. That's what heaven's going to be like. What you think you see today and you think is glorious will give way to something in that age. But if you can't appreciate what you're seeing today, there might be a grave danger you'll never see that day. People of faith are people who honor God and people of faith are people who understand their duty to God to give thanks to him. Do you have a thankful heart? Do you have a heart that wants to honor God? It's a duty. And you'll know your true spirituality, whether you sense that this is something you'll engage in or not. Now, when we talk about this, God-filled world, we also need to understand that there is the denial that this is a God-filled world. The world of unbelief, the world that we live in, that we are forced into, is a world basically of faithlessness, of unbelief, and of denial. Verse 19, again, the word says here that God has made these things evident. 
it says that it's in the conscience. It's in the creation. And so we look at even the, the people that we meet who when they look at us and they, they kind of chuckle, they treat us with a bit of a patronizing manner as if we were naive or, well, we're just not really with it because they understand that this world is a box. It's a box in a machine. And we look at it in relationship to a god and a pie in the sky by and by. And so they look at us with this patronizing manner of unbelief, of faithlessness and denial. Paul tells us in verse 18 that they know, but they suppress. They know, but they suppress. All through my life, I've had to deal with people that are, I've had to deal with a lot of of people in depression, but I've had to deal with a lot more that are in suppression. You, you try and talk to them about common and plain realities, and they just push it down. They push it away. There's a refusal to deal with reality because they do not want to face God the Creator. They just push him out of their lives. That's happening all around you. It's happening in the media. It's happening in the educational system, but it's happening with your friends who will not appreciate what you know you should appreciate, that this is a God-filled world. And so these people push down God's work in their conscience. And their conscience, as it were, becomes a faulty tool. And you see them hurt people. Did you see this man that murdered this realtor in Arkansas? Did you see the interview with him today? It was on the, on the news. Absolutely no feeling. Absolutely no, nothing there that you could see that this man recognized that He had taken this woman's life. Suppression. They see things with their eyes. And in some ways they're able to speak in language of being overawed by the beauty of what they see. But they quickly reinterpret that in order to not let it get too close. In Isaiah chapter 5, there's a, a series of verses. But this would be typical of what's going on in our world. In verse 20, Isaiah says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. And that's what we're seeing. This world is reinterpreted by unbelief. That which is good is seen as evil. What is the most evil group to these people of which we're speaking about today? 
And the most evil group is the church. (laughs) The most evil group is the church. Woe to those. Now notice this. Paul says suppress. Isaiah, in the translation I was using, uses twice the word substitute. Who substitute darkness for light and light for darkness. Who substitute bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. This is what we're experiencing all around us. Unbelief exchanges the glory of God for an image. The image of a man or the image of something else. Uh, The world is to be explained by their own intelligence. The world is no longer a glorious God-filled world, but the world is something of a machine, something that can be comprehended, something that can be manipulated, and something in which man is vastly uh, superior to the other animals, and so man has become responsible for the machine, the machine of this world. And we can either exploit it or we can be the caregiver of this world. And so like that, that horrible poem that I hope none of you ever would ever consider having at your funeral about being the master of your ship and the captain of your soul. If, if you've ever been drawn to that poem, I hope you will let this be a, an exercise in, of divestment of such thinking. But, but that's the way man thinks. That this is who they are in this world. And so fallen man ruins the glory of God's true world. And fallen man suppresses the evident truth and dishonors God and is thankless. That's what we see in the rest of this verse, these verses. Fallen man creates lies about the world. Fallen man creates plans to make this world their world. Fallen man does call good evil and evil good and is thankless and dishonors God. But God, he says in here, that he causes their speculations to be futile. He causes their foolish hearts to be darkened. He creates their wisdom into foolishness. And then in verse 24, 6 and 28, God gives them over to various things of uncleanness, of natural lust an improper conduct. In other words, where man sows to the wind, God lets him reap the whirlwind. God lets man go much in the way that the prodigal son was let go by the father. And God waits, as Paul says in the next chapter, with patience that man might repent. Now, what does true spirituality see? We need to see that this is a God-filled world. We need to live by faith in this world. We need to live with joy. We need to live with thankfulness. And we need to learn to live in ways that honor God. Now, there's a practical term in the book of Romans. And I think you all know where that comes. It comes in the 12th chapter. And if you, you turn back there to chapter 12, there's, there's words that are used there to give us direction, what this is to mean. 
First of all, if we're people that are living spirit-filled lives, we've constantly got to give our lives over body and soul completely each and every day to be a living sacrifice to the Lord. Again, John Calvin said it this way, My heart I offer to you, O Lord, promptly and sincerely. That was his motto. And that is a good motto for us, day in and day out, from beginning of the day to the end of the day. I give you my heart, Lord. I give it to you promptly. I give it to you sincerely. So this is the the direction that Paul tells us that we should turn. We are to encourage on how we're to live in this God-filled world. Given ourselves, body and soul, Then, in second, we see the conflict of the ages in verse 2. You see what it's saying here, there is going to be either a conforming to this world or a transforming by the renewal of your mind in this fallen world. Now, I am speaking in the way I'm speaking to you today in reference to this part of this verse. You... And many of our other Christians, and me, if we're not aware, are being squeezed. We're being squeezed into the world's mold. In other words, who is exerting culturally the most power? Who is exerting intellectual strength? Who is flexing political muscle? Who has the bully pulpit in our culture? And we say it's the world. The world has this right now. And so as the world lives in this way, here is this conflict of the ages, and it's for me and you as people of faith. We have to refuse to be conformed. We have to welcome and engage ourselves in being transformed and being renewed by the revelation of Scripture. We give our mind and hearts to the renewal of God's truth. We give ourselves to the will of God, to that which Paul says is the good and the acceptable and the perfect. One author, I'm believing it was James I. Packer, wrote of it. He said, don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. That's what I'm getting at. Now, our world system is nonstop bully people pulpit to squeeze us. What are we told almost every single day? Now, today I did something, and I I thought, well, this is perfectly innocent. There was something about people are going to be disappointed in the fall foliage. Well, I'm very interested in the fall foliage. So I thought, well, I'll just highlight that. And I did. And here was this bait and switch thing on the internet to find out about man-made global warming. And I went, yikes! I mean, I thought we were going to talk about something in the next few weeks. They're talking about something in the next 200 years. I need to be worried about that. But how many of our people, especially our children, are worried about that? I remember one time taking our grade school children up from into Putnam County to a piece of property 
that we'd driven by many, many times to go to some friends' places on the lake, and they'd clear-cut it. Our children were devastated for the owls and the rabbits and everything else. Where did they get that? Where did they get that? They got it in kindergarten, first and second grade. The oldest one was in the second grade. And they're totally devastated. Man-made climate change. Our ever-evolving world and Mother Earth. What are we to do? What, is the, what does the bumper sticker say? Take care of your mother. Earth. <laughs> Take care of your mother. Same-sex marriage. Is this like a wave? I mean, if in reality same-sex marriage was that important and it went off boom, it went boom, nobody would hear it. (laughs) Because there aren't that many people engaged in it. It would be a boom that nobody heard. But how many people are influenced politically by this? And the political weight of this is now changing our entire culture. And yet, it's even, it's like a nanosecond in reality, the number of people. People who kill in the name of Allah and were told that it's not a part of Islam. What are these people thinking? How about this one? Practice random acts of kindness and senseless acts of beauty. Anything you practice can't be random. (laughs) Marriage in two parents is of no real value in the culture. There is no God, you are God. (laughs) What is the deal there? Now, this is just a mere sampling of the world's squeeze. God's truth has made this world, and man was made to live in this world with God in joy and to enjoy God's beautiful world and to enjoy it with thankfulness. And God's truth allows us to see the truth that the world system tries to squeeze out of reality. Now, I want to say something like this in conclusion. It's fall. Do you know that that plant that they used to plant beside the outhouses, what's the name of it? Tea, olive. It's starting to smell gloriously right now. So go out and smell the leaves or the the flowers like the tea, olive, and say, what a glorious smell. It's fall. Look at the leaves in their glory and see the glory of God. Feel the cool. Feel the drier air. Eat some apples. Eat some pumpkin. Whatever is appropriate to this season, enjoy it. Enjoy the crisp evenings, the longer nights. Plan not for the holidays, please. Please don't plan for the holidays. Plan for Thanksgiving. Plan for Christmas. Plan for New Year. Don't get squeezed into this happy holidays nonsense.
This is God's world. And then give thanks, honor God, and enjoy the abundance of his goodness. And be thankful that as this world for us gradually comes closer to our end of our enjoyment of it, there's another greater world. And that world is a new heaven and a new earth that Christ has promised. This world will give way to something of which this world will seem like a mere foretaste for people of faith. Let's pray. Bless us, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that we can see these things and that we will not be squeezed into the world's mold, but rather what we see we will enjoy and we will honor you as the author of it and that we will give thanks to you because you've shared it with us. May we enjoy all your goodness all the days of our life. And we pray in Christ's name. Amen.